Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Way. Back again with you guys for another episode of our Arsenal Agenda series. Joining you Monday to Friday at 10am UK time. Joined by Bailey. How you doing, mate? You good, Joel? Yeah, I'm good to see you, mate. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not too shabby at all. Uh, two days left until, of course, finally we get things back underway. I say finally because it just feels like these weeks are ridiculously oh. long in between games now. I'm just counting down the days each time to the next fixture. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Nervous yet about it or confident? No, see, this season, I don't think I've been nervous once. Crystal Palace, really? I wasn't nervous. Leicester, I wasn't nervous. It's just this team just filled me with excitement and I'm excited to see the boys play. I'm like, okay, who's going to play well today? How are we going to set up? And I don't usually feel that way. I feel giddy. I feel like a kid at a toy store and Arsenal about to, well, Arsenal about to play. And it's, a, it's an exciting thing for us. I think this season, I feel like we can go into most games and dominate. I didn't really feel mm. like that last season, going away from home, having a feeling where you can dominate. And Bournemouth, I'm getting prepared for us to dominate. And that's, it's different. It's rare. And it's good to see. I think it just highlights the progress we have had in the summer transfer window and the team we have right now and the progress of Arteta as a whole, really. Mm, yeah, absolutely. I think we've made massive progress. It was interesting because we played Bournemouth with the side, of course, that Arteta played his first or managed his first game for Arsenal against. The difference in the lineups is ridiculous. You know, I think Saka was left back when we played that game. Reese Nelson started up up top with Aubameyang and Lacazette. So, you know, very, very different things are going on at Arsenal now and uh, in a very different place indeed. Today, obviously, also marks the release date of the final two episodes of All or Nothing. Have you, did you get up early to watch them or you still got to watch them? Still got to watch them. Still got to watch them. Unfortunately, I did not get up early. But we're planning to. But no. <laughs> That's fair enough. No, there's not going to be any spoilers here, people. So don't worry about that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that tomorrow. I imagine after everyone's had a chance to, to catch mm-hmm. up on the two episodes. Um, let's talk about transfers as always. Uh, it's gone, as we were saying off air. Still pretty quiet, you know, in terms of, of what's going on at Arsenal. There's been some interesting rumours and stuff flying about this week. Uh, Lucas Paqueta's name again cropped up. Sasha Tavalieri, the Belgian football expert who's been reporting on a number of Arsenal links over the last couple of years, said that he feels that Paqueta remains the actual priority beyond Yuri Tielemans. What do you make of that? It makes sense. It makes sense. I think, of course, Paqueta suits the... The Arsenal transfer uh, recruitment mm. strategy well at the moment with the Brazilian players who are still young, got time to grow on 24, 25 age, who, who are quality but still have uh, room for improvement. I think it makes sense. It's just that he's available this summer. I think he's been made available this summer. I think multiple sources, him himself, has put himself mm. on the market. So if Arsenal really did consider him a priority, I think we would have... I don't think, I think regardless of the outgoings, I don't think outgoings would have even been enough to cover his whole transfer. So I don't believe outgoings were the, 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 the determining factor. We have even made a lot of outgoings this week. So then mm. again, the final week would be able to make a transfer. But maybe Arteta's seen his team, he's seen how well Granit Xhaka has done and he's happy. He doesn't feel like he needs to spend heavily to, to, in the for the for the final weeks of the transfer window. Maybe we'll wait, we'll wait till January where we can really assess the team and then go for a player like Lucas Paqueta. Similar to what Newcastle done with Bruno Guimaraes in, in January transfer window, how they signed the Leon player. We might just be doing the same this this this, this season. Mm, perhaps we will. We'll have to wait and see if indeed that does end up happening. But I don't think we're going to be signing a Paqueta in this window at least. The Yuri Tillemans still also seems to be kind of petering out you know at this stage there's been no movement on that if it does happen I imagine it would take place in kind of the last week if we're pushing 
you know, Leicester's try and decrease their valuation of the player. Uh, the other area is kind of defensive midfields. I've got a piece coming out a little bit later on this afternoon, uh, this morning, sorry, in just under an hour's time, talking about kind of the difficulty we have if we're going to find a number six to compete with mm. Partey. There just isn't the options out there at the moment. There is no options. There are there are options, of course, but the options mm. to really suit Arsenal and the realistic transfer target to bring a player in, it's tough. And I've always said this, it's like Arsenal... We want to sign a quality player, but a mm. player who would be willing to play almost back up to Thomas Pye. And I think that's that fine line is very tough to find an ideal player to do that. Because, for example, look, Casemiro might be right there to sign, but you don't want to bring him in because he's not going to, you're not going to suddenly bench Thomas Party and Casemiro's wages, his transfer is going to be expensive. So you have to mm. find a player who is of the quality, but not, not too much quality, if that makes sense. It's a, it's a fine line, it's a, hard, it's a hard position to strengthen at the moment because we are doing so well in those positions. Absolutely. Uh, good morning to people joining us in the chat box today. Thank you for joining us from all over uh, the world this morning. Thank you for tuning in. Lovely hearing where you're tuning in from. Always helps to see where or how rather how widespread the channel has become. So definitely let us know where you're watching from, whether it's from all London all the way through to places like Sierra Leone in the chat as well. Brilliant to see. Um, Arsenal's under-21s played yesterday as well, Bailey. We got our first glimpse of Fabio Vieira. Did you catch some of the clips of the game at all? Yeah, I saw his cheeky little dip over to Emma Smith-Rowe, which mm. was promising to see. I'm just intrigued to see him on the right-hand side. I think I mentioned yesterday I could see him coming from the right-hand side because it makes sense. I think he'll need time to adapt to the Premier League uh, in a physical manner before he does play in the middle of the park. I think it is a bit too early for him. He does need to get used to it. And, of course, one of his big, one of the biggest crit critics about him is... Um, criticisms about him, sorry, is his physicality. So I think starting on the right-hand side is much easier. You can adapt more... And clearly, if Kaya reported that uh, Fiera requested mm. um, requested Fiera to, to to play on the right hand side, then clearly we have a, a a potential winger there, and that might just affect things in the transfer market. Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, yeah, Kaya, our colleague Kaya Karnak, did indeed report that. Uh, he was told, remember Ali, the under-21s boss, was told to play him at right wing. Uh, so obviously you had Cedric, Smithrow and Vieira all on that right-hand side. Smithrow playing a right eight position, similar to where Odegaard, of course, plays in the senior side. Is that something you think from his perspective that he could play in the future? Or do you still think he's very much more of a wide player? Or is it actually central that you think he could play? That's, I think that's his natural position as well. Uh, during mm. the youth days, he was playing in that position. I think that's where he, that's where he of course, learned his trades. So absolutely, and honestly... The wing position right now for, for Smith Rowe is looking tough to break into. So he has really got impressed in the middle midfield. There's not really too many, the de strength and depth for the number eight positions open at the moment. Smith Rowe can really attack that. But regardless of the way he plays in the pitch at the moment, I just can't see him breaking in to the starting 11. But again, the eight position is there. It might be tougher than, than uh, getting ahead of Marcelli because Erdegaard is the club captain, of course. But again, it's good to show that he has the needed versatility in the team. Mm. With Vieira playing on the right, do you think that potentially rules out a signing of a right-sided player? Yeah, yeah, I honestly do. I, I do think that does affect the impact things. Certainly, if Arteta has personally requested him to play on the right-hand side, mm. maybe Arsenal have realised that signing a winger in this window is unlikely. It's, it's, I mean, you can test Vieira there until at least the January chance window and have more depth there, even if Pepe does end up leaving and going to Nice, for example. Fierica can slot in there. So, yeah, I think it does have an impact on our transfer window plans. I'm not going to lie. Mm. Yeah, I'm, and I'm, to be honest, you know, I'm fine with that. Look, the wingers that are out there at the moment, you know, we're talking about 
the likes of Jeremy Pina, who is uh, a project. He's a potential mm-hmm. player. He's very good, but he's potential. Musa Diaby's going to cost you upwards of, what, 60-odd million yeah. quid to, to try and get someone like him in the door. Cody Gakpo's more of a left-hand-sided player. We've got, obviously, Martinelli and Smith Rowe that can both play there. Jesus can play there, too, and Ketia could also play there. Um, and, you know, it's interesting that not really any other clubs have gone in for these players either during this window. I like what I see from Gakpo at times, but... I'm not necessarily sure whether he would fit into the current squads and how easily he would get the minutes that he would need to develop at his age. So, yeah, look, I think that if it's a case of we are looking at moving Vieira to the right-hand side, invest in the midfield. I think the midfield continues to be an area that we need to have someone brought in, even with it being obviously difficult to see Xhaka being displaced on the left eight position and us having another options there. But if Vieira isn't seen as the eight that could rotate with Xhaka, potentially that does open a gap up in midfields for what we need to do between now and the end of the window. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, Let's go into the chat box uh, and see what you guys are saying. Uh, There's a few comments coming in uh, from Ethiopia and Nigeria, uh, Nairobi as well, uh, Worcester from Kevin, less <laughs> exotic uh, from there, Kevin, but uh, I love that. That's great. Uh, much appreciate you tuning in wherever you are indeed from. Brilliant stuff. Um, Matt says, what are the records behind me? I mean, they're, they're foals and drone-based stuff, so that's, it's not the most exciting thing in the world. Uh, Graham says, I hope we could bring in Neto. What about Lima from Leipzig? Is there any reason why nobody has made a bid for him? Do you think he could adapt to the Premier League? What do you think about Conrad Lima? Conrad Lima, of course, I know um, he was reportedly available for around the £30 million mark and uh, Euro, £30 million Euro mark, sorry. And I think he would be a good signing. Every time I've seen him play for Leipzig, he looks like the ideal box-to-box player. He's around, he's around the pitch. I think he'd be a decent signing. But the fact that no club have gone in for him is interesting. I think Bayern Munich were interested at one point, but I don't know what happened there. Obviously, I know they signed Gravenberg from Ajax as well, so probably that could be the reason why. But yeah, I think Lyme was a, a good option, to be honest. Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. I think he really could be an interesting player for us for the future. Um, I I, I look at someone, though, like Neto and think he's game-changing. You know, get someone like him in, that's a different level of player, is it not? Yeah, Neto, what a player. And of course, we already know he's exposed his dream in the the past to to play for Arsenal. So uh, there's a possibility there. But yeah, Neto, even before the ACL, even after the ACL, he's shown excellent excellent qualities on the ball and why he would be such a dominant winger but again he's a player on the left hand side coming in from the coming in from and into his, onto his right foot I don't know how that would also work it's another awkward transfer just like Cody Gapo. so maybe one to watch but I wouldn't say it's likely with the remaining mm. weeks of the summer transfer window yeah, neither do I. I don't think it is likely at all. Uh, MI Tech says, uh, what has happened to our interest in Dan Juma, uh, Pino's far more sensible teammate? What do you think about the link? I mean, we weren't really heavily linked with Dan Juma at all, to be fair. Look, I've done a piece saying I'd prefer, if I had to sign a winger from Villarreal, it would not be Jeremy mm. Pino, but it would be Dan Juma. Because I believe TC, at the moment, we're in a stage in our rebuilding process where we should be targeting players who are not 19, 20, 21 anymore. I think we've We've kind of built upon that now. We're at a stage where we do need to be competing for higher stuff like the Champions League. Maybe even next season we might be a, a Premier League challenge and obviously not a title winning, but a challenge. I don't think you can do that with 19, 20, 21-year-olds. You need to sign the 24, 25-year-old players who are almost there, but not just there yet. That's why we signed Gabriel Jesus this summer. We signed uh, Sinchenko, of course. I think we're in a new stage of our rebuilding, 
rebuilding process where players like Pino will be less useful than a player like Dan Juma, who will be already made to come in the squad and get us and fire us the Champions League football without a doubt because he's shown the pedigree already in the Champions League. He's done excellent for Bournemouth and he's already shown it in La Liga and the Champions League for, for Villarreal. So that's why I prefer uh, Arnold Dan Juma. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, Dan is going to give you a more immediate impact, whereas Pino is certainly more of a project type mm-hmm. of signing. Um, Gunnar Jake says, did Neto not only damage his knee as well? As I know he came back from a serious knee injury. I don't know if it was it an ACL and yeah. a kneecap problem as well. I think it was ACL. I think it was just ACL. I did hear something about his kneecap. Though. I don't know if it was a case of when he done the uh, ACL that it also mm. injured his kneecap at the same time. Because, you know, the force sometimes when you do your ACL, the force at which the ligament breaks can break the bones around it. It's that kind of chaotic so it wouldn't surprise me if that was the case um caleb says tc i really can't see arsenal signing netto this season to be honest neither can i you know i can't see arsenal going and spending the money it would take to bring someone in uh of that kind of level in this window when you've already got the starting players it's a really difficult kind of situation for arsenal being because if you look at the start the, the starting 11 that we have that we played against crystal palace and of course against leicester when you're thinking about who comes into that t- who who can we sign that starts over any of those players. And of course, you think White at right back, Tommy Asu's coming in there. Either of those two can play. You've got Saliba, Gabriel, Zinchenko, or Tierney, Partey and Xhaka, and then a front three with Odegaard behind them of Saka, Jesus and Martinelli. You know, I don't think Neto starts for us right now. You know, I think he rotates with Martinelli for sure. He can compete with him. But if you're signing a 60 plus million pound player in Neto that doesn't start for you right now, I can't see Arsenal doing that. Do you know what I mean? I completely agree. Look, I know Liverpool and Manchester City, of course, are on another level, but they don't mm. just sign players for the sake of saying, look, oh, we need to sign a player because we haven't signed enough in this transfer window. They wait until the right player who can actually come into the squad is available and they won't just splash mm. ridiculous amounts of money on a player who won't even start. And I think Arsenal... We're getting butts, people. Oh, no, that's yeah. all else. All right. <laughs> 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 we're really too much on that, but uh, yeah, it's, it's it's different for us. I think we're going into a stage now where we can't just afford to panic buy and say, look, oh, we've got money, let's just spend it. There's a decent player there. No, does he come into the squad and will he actually start? No, at the moment, with how well our squad is doing, there's not too many players who can do that because we've got a, a sense of togetherness. The team understands the, the, the mission at hand and it's hard, it's hard at the moment to strengthen. I think that's why Eddie's been so reluctant to, mm. to sign another player. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that it's very hard now when you look at this squad to go, who are you going to sign? Are they going to join knowing that they're not going to be regular starters? Can Arsenal offer them that without Champions League football? Because, you know, Liverpool and City, they sign players like Liverpool signed Jota for 50 odd million quid, despite having Mane, Firmino and, and Salah, because they knew that Jota would get minutes across the front three and they could offer him, you know, Champions League level football and title challenging football as well. It's different with Arsenal who are in a position where they're trying to get back into the Champions League. Yes, it would be great to sign someone who could play across that front three for us, like a Jota. One, they're not all that common. You know, Jota is a little bit of a a bit of a unicorn type of signing, I suppose, because he's so versatile. I think that potentially is an area that Arsenal would look to sign in the near future. But who knows? Maybe even Fabio Vieira turns out to be that player for us. He's played everywhere for Porto. So there's no reason why potentially Vieira isn't already that player. And I think that a lot of people have forgotten about Vieira, to be honest, and have forgot that we've brought him in and that he's very, a very exciting player. They've got into double digits for assists, got a fair amount of goals last season for Porto as well, and was very, very strong indeed. Uh, Ronnie, in terms of everybody's fitness for the game against uh, Bournemouth on Saturday, the game's at 5.30. Tommy Asu should be back, of course, came on in the game against Leicester in the final few minutes. Smith-Rowe and Vieira both played a half of football in the under-21 
21s last night. Could be available for the squad as well. It was interesting that Marquinhos wasn't in the under 21 squad yesterday. Two reasons for that. One, he could be in the squad this weekend because he's impressed a lot for the youth team. Or a loan deal is potentially being discussed. Yeah. Either of those two could be options. Not heard anything concrete on that yet. But they're the obvious two routes for the reason why he might not be there, as well as an injury. But I haven't heard him being injured. So it'd be intriguing what happens there. But yeah, everyone is pretty fit uh, for the game. Um, we've got a very good squads available to Mikel Arteta. It's mad thinking about the end of last season when we had the likes of Hutchinson and Mika Biereth and Flores Zach or just populating the bench. Yeah, Swanson was on there almost every week. And now you look at the bench and it's it's a crazy good bench. Like you can pretty much field a team that I think that could easily beat other teams in the bottom half of the table, I think, with the amount of changes we can make. It's just going to be about how it all comes together. And when we play those Europa League games and those cup games, how the transition from the A team to kind of the, the B team and how that works. Uh, let's finish off the show uh, with uh, Graham's question. Does it please you that Arsenal are taking their time in the market and signing players that fit the system, unlike Man United, who are panic buying and going after everyone? Oh, absolutely. I think it's we're in a wonderful position. As I said right now, we're, we're, we're moving like a Manchester City or Liverpool who do their business, know what they want to get, and now they're comfortable. They started the season excellently because of that, because of the lack of uncertainty around the club. And Manchester United have had a disastrous start. They've literally had our start last season, but worse. Mm. And now they're looking in the market to panic by and going after every player who puts their feet on the football pitch in a professional type of manner. So, it is wonderful to see because it shows the level of progression we have had done over the last two seasons and the way Manchester United are struggling and we're on another level to them. It just shows that we are going in the right direction. Yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, I just can't help but laugh when I look at Man United these days. They are uh, a joke of a club right now. There is potential, apparently, for like a, a potential shareholding sale going on and there's talk of that potential sale. Does that worry you at all that they might get new owners in? Long in the long term, yes. In the short term, no. Because even if new if new owners do come in, they've got a lot, a lot mm. to, to change around. It's not just the squad; it's the club culture. It's, it's it's everything about the club they need to change. But long term, of course, let's not forget Manchester United are arguably one of the biggest clubs in world football. So they'll always have that attractive, attractive uh, trait about them. But it's just how they how they rebuild, and it will take years to rebuild. So I think if Arsenal can get themselves to a good, a good enough level where even a new owner's come in, it'll take them a while to get to, to Arsenal's level. That's what I hope for. But of course, you do have to be a little bit worried. Mm, indeed. Indeed. Uh, thank you, Chatbox, for joining us this morning. Really appreciate your time as always. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. once again to keep you up to date on everything going on in the world of Arsenal. We should have another upload for you this afternoon as well. Tomorrow is, of course, Arteta's press conference, which you'll be able to watch on the channel after it's finished too. So make sure you subscribe and turn those notifications on so you can catch up on that. Uh, other than that, Bailey, thank you so much for joining me. Appreciate it as always. As always, thank you, TC, and everyone in the comment section as well. Indeed. We'll see you again very soon. Keep up to date with all our written work over at football.london. And other than that, it's been a real pleasure. And as always, keep following us down the Arsenal way.